My name is Gabby Everett, and um, I'm a member here, and I belong to the Chantilly Community Group. And I have the honor to read the word with you all this morning. We're reading from Psalm chapter 131, verses 1 through 3, um, which is actually the whole chapter. And we'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good to be with y'all. It's an honor to be here. Uh, Josh, as you were giving that intro, I was thinking, what phrase would I use to describe you? And lots of good things came up, but I just want to say the thing that really spoke to my heart the most, Josh, if I were to describe you, would be my friend. Your support and encouragement to me, uh, especially over the last three years, has just meant a lot. So thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. Um, It is great to be here. uh, As Josh mentioned, uh, I am the pastor at West Charlotte Church at Freedom, um, and he kind of gave you the overview of how we got to where we are, to where I'm here, even though you knew Pastor Charles McKnight and Pastor Drew Martin planted this church six years ago. It's been a wild ride. It's been crazy. (laughs) And I could get into the specifics. If you'd like the long version, I'd be happy to give it to you. But um, uh, the one thing I wanted to do is give you all a little bit of an update and give you an encouraging update, right? And I'm not one to to blow smoke and say, hey, everything's great. That's never the case, right? Y'all know this in your own lives in the church. There's always the good and the hard. Um, But by God's grace, we are a growing church. By God's grace, we are Connected in the community of West Charlotte, we've uh, continued the value that Drew and Charles planted with to wanting to be a a parish church, a church for the community of West Charlotte. And so we've continued that, and God's blessed us with opportunities to get involved at JCSU and have a a really effective uh, mentoring and discipleship and evangelism ministry at JCSU. Uh, We've been connected with a a number of the elementary schools and got a charter school connection as well uh, on the west side. And we're really excited about this. So about a year ago, uh, a guy came to me. Uh, this, this man has been doing nonprofit work uh, for 20 years, been working in the school systems, but he's also a, a football coach. And he had this vision to do an after-school football ministry where he takes the, the kids and he you know, invites the middle school students, particularly uh, from the West Charlotte, West Charlotte side, after school, he brings them in, teaches them, coaches them football, forms a team, they're connected with a league, and he also uses that opportunity to teach them some life skills that, and to pour into them and to mentor them. And then uh, we have an opportunity every other week to come and just share the gospel with them. And so it's really cool. So I just, that's just like a taste and a sample uh, of, of some really cool things that the Lord's doing by his grace, despite all the hard. But one thing I, I, I want to highlight as well, because um, I'm really excited about this, I was uh, talking with Ibrahim and, uh, before, before we came up here, and um, you, you know, Charles McKnight, many of y'all, of course, know him, and uh, it, it, I will say it's, it's a hard act to follow, uh, preaching after Charles McKnight and before your pastoral candidate. That's hard. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Um, but I'm glad to be here regardless. Uh, but, you know, Charles McKnight, there was a time, because my friendship with him goes, goes way back. I, I know there was a time when he was here while a seminary student, yet faithfully serving on staff as, you know, a, a director or pastoral assistant. I forget what they called it. Um, we have been blessed. Oops, sorry. I'm not used to wearing it right here. We have been blessed 
with a, with a pastoral candidate, uh, Curran Boston. Uh, man, this guy is amazing. Uh, pastoral assistant is what we're, we're calling him. And he's also serving us. So we have the privilege of not only continuing the heart, uh, heartbeat of ministry for cross-cultural ministry that, that uh, Christ Central has, but also the model that Christ Central started with, with Pastors Howard and Giorgio, planting uh, a, a you know, biracial pastoral team and Pastor Charles McKnight and Pastor uh, Drew Martin. But Quran and I are continuing that uh, ministry, super blessed. And at some point, I hope you have the privilege of, of, of hearing uh, my brother Quran uh, lead y'all and, and preach because it's, it's, it's an amazing gift. So here's what I'm trying to communicate. It's been really hard, y'all. <laughs> Last three years have been really hard and God is faithful. And he's doing a great work. And it's y'all's legacy that continues week in, week out, day in, day out to minister the gospel in a part of Charlotte that many folks have forgotten. Of course, God has not forgotten. I give you that introduction so you'll have a report and so you'll know a little bit more about what's going on uh, at West Charlotte Church. But I also give you that that introduction because it, it actually paves the way into Psalm 131. Um, because Psalm 131 is all about finding a calm soul in the midst of a crazy world. Calm soul in a crazy world. Y'all, that's been my experience. <laughs> well, the crazy world has been like perpetual, right? That's never gone away. The calm soul, there are moments where I get that, right? The last three years have been crazy. It's been crazy. Uh, we've had two mergers. I'm not going to get into details of how that worked. Uh, we've had pastoral transitions, the substance that Pastor Josh alluded to. It's been crazy, and it's been hard. I would say it's both been some of the three best years of my life and three of the hardest years of my life. Super crazy. And yet what God has been teaching me throughout is that he offers a calm and quiet soul in the midst of a crazy world. Family, that's what we're going to see. There is an awesome picture of a calm and quiet soul in this psalm. And I hope that picture um, is attractive to you. It, it grabs you. But more than that, I hope that it challenges you and, and makes you curious to think, what would it look like for my soul to be a little bit more calm in a crazy world? See, what I do know is that y'all are living a crazy world right now. You know, you walk out the door, you turn on the news, we got craziness, and, and craziness, right, that, that's, a, that's a nice way of saying really hard. Really hard. Lots of pain, lots of injustice, lots of bad. It's going on in the nation, across the world, you know this, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, right? And, and, and we're committed as a church body, right, and as a daughter church of y'all. We, I know we all have this value of not turning a blind eye to the hard, right? We're a church that cares about the injustices, that plague our neighbors. We're a church that cares about the hurting that goes on. So I know that y'all are living in a crazy world, and I'm sure for some of y'all, the craziness hits really close to home. Maybe in your closest relationships, maybe in your families. Hard difficulties, challenging, suffering. I know that this is a crazy world. What I don't know is the state of your soul in the midst of that. Let's look at Psalm chapter 131, starting in verse 2, actually. I want to jump to verse 2 here, because this is the picture I was telling you about. 
And it's a vivid picture. If you've ever held a baby, you, you, you know what Psalm 131 verse 2 is talking about. After, in verse 1, saying, hey, I'm not going crazy because I'm not too proud. I'm not too haughty. I don't get involved with things too great or wondrous for me. We'll get into that. But then he says this. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. My soul is like a weaned child. All right. So if you have ever held a child, I want you to to kind of get that into your mind, into your memory. Think about what that was like, right? Could be a, a friend's child, neighbor's child, a niece, nephew, whatever, you know, your own child. But think about what it's like. Now, if you've ever held a child for any length of time, you know that that child is going to act a whole bunch of different ways. And, and there are times, there are sweet moments where there's peace. There's sweet moments of rest. There's sweet moments where that child just sort of melts into you as you hold him or her. And then there are other moments. <laughs> I want you to get a, you, you know what it's like to hold a colicky baby? Oh, y'all, it, it, it is a struggle. It is a challenge. Holding a baby that is restless holding a baby that is squirming, that is fighting, that is crying, that is not pleasant for the baby or for you, for anybody in the room. You know what it's like to, to hold a baby that is restless, that is hungry, that is angry. Muscles tense in this small child. There have been moments in parenting where I have, I have felt my restless, colicky baby transition from tense muscles squirming, fighting against me. And all of a sudden, over the course of a couple seconds, her body starts to relax. And they become calm and still. And then there is that moment of melting in where all is at rest. When I look at Psalm 131, I'm seeing two pictures actually. One's explicit, but one's implicit. You've got the calm and quiet wean child. But implicitly, it it brings to mind all of the children that you know that have been restless and moving around. But here's my question. If we were to x-ray your soul today, which one is closer to the state of your heart? That's what God is calling us to think about. Because remember, you can have a calm soul in a crazy world. You can have a calm soul in a crazy world. And and y'all, this has everything to do with trust. It has everything to do with the trust. For For the child, for the wean child resting with her mother... In that moment, there is trust. Their needs have been met. They're resting. It has everything to do with trust. In the City of God, African Church Father, St. Augustine, discusses the concept of the peace of God, which here's how he describes it. Tranquility and contentment that comes from aligning your will with God's will. Your will is aligned with God's will, and the only way that can happen is trust. It's trust. There's this great story, true story, in the Bible in 2 Kings chapter 6, 
where there's this prophet, this man of God, Elisha, and Elisha has a servant, and they're in their, their home, and they you know, hear some noise, they sense something's going on outside, and they walk out the door, and they see that they are completely surrounded by the Syrian army coming to do them harm, right? Because Elisha in his prophecies has made the Syrian king mad, and he's coming to do what mad kings do, right? He's coming to take them out. They walk out there. The servant in this picture is the restless child. The servant is freaking out. And the servant not only is freaking out because of his own fear, he turns to Elisha and sees that Elisha is not freaking out. And he's mad at Elisha. Why are you not freaking out? Do you not understand what's getting ready to happen to us? Restless spirit. Calm spirit. Well, how did Elisha get so calm? He says... He who is with us is much greater in number and power than those coming against us. He says, and he prays to God that God would open up his servant's eyes and his servant's eyes are open. And all of a sudden he has the spiritual eyes to see that there are angels with chariots of fire surrounding them. There's no reason to worry. It's the trust of Elisha that brings him That calm and quiet soul. You can have a calm and quiet soul in a crazy world. This is Peter when he steps out of the boat, right? He steps out of the boat. He sees Jesus walking on the water and Peter being the, you know, look, uh, leap before you look guy, right? He he is like, I want to walk. I want to walk to Jesus. He steps out of the boat and as long as he's focusing on Jesus, he is good. But then instead of focusing on Jesus, he starts looking at some of those circumstances, the crazy world around him, and he sees the waves. He's like, what am I doing? And he starts to sink, right? He, he traded out the calm soul focused on Jesus for the restless soul focusing on circumstances. Speaking of Jesus, this is his experience too. A calm soul in a crazy world. Y'all think about Jesus' ministry. The, the second he is born, King Herod tries to kill him. That's how he enters into the story, right? After the incarnation, right? And it doesn't get better. The, his whole life, he is characterized as a man of suffering. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that Jesus was called a man of suffering because when I look at the suffering in my own life, I am reminded that Jesus gets it. He understands. He has experienced the suffering that I've experienced only on a magnitude so much greater than anything I've ever experienced. Jesus lived in a crazy world, and yet he had a calm soul. I love the picture of Jesus at the bottom of the boat. It's the, the waves, the storms coming, wind blowing, rain pouring down, and his disciples, again, they're the restless soul. They're freaking out. We're going to die. Jesus, surely he's exhausted, but he's also at peace. He's resting at the bottom of the boat in the middle of a storm. Calm and quiet soul in the midst of a crazy world. I want to spend just a few minutes thinking about why this is so important. Right? Like, if you're anything like me, as I think about this, read about this, meditate on, on what a, a calm and quiet soul is, and I compare that to the anxiety that I often feel in this world, 
I don't have to go far to make the case that peace is good. It's obviously good, right? If you ever had your stomach in a knot, your, your shoulders tense, sleepless nights, waking up at three in the morning, can't go back to sleep. If you ever felt that, you know how good peace is. Why is it important for us? Well, it's obviously important because we long for that. We crave that. Our hearts crave this peace. But it's more than that. Family, we live in a crazy world, and it's not going to get any less crazy. This is my prediction or prophecy for the year. 2024, presidential election season coming. Buckle up. It's not going to get any less crazy. It's not going to get any less crazy. And already, I mean, we're, you know, we're in February, right? I mean, November is a long ways away, and already everyone's freaking out. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not minimizing this. This is, we'll see. <laughs> but I also know this, that in a crazy world, God calls his children to have a resilient peace that is attractive to the world. Yeah, our society is, is not responding with peace as they think about this upcoming election season. And again, I get it, and I also know that King Jesus reigns, no matter what happens. And so, and so, family, what a powerful witness it would be. Right? We talk about it all the time about being a witness and, and trying to reach our neighbors with love and, and to let the gospel shine through us. What a powerful witness it would be if we are simply men, women, and children who have peace while everyone else is freaking out and empathy. We get it, we understand, and yet there is a hope that is much greater than whoever sits in the office as president of the United States. Our neighbors need our peace. So important. And of course, y'all, God is glorified by our peace. Like we, we, I think we know this, right? Music is a wonderful way to worship the Lord. And I love it. I love these worship songs. In fact, one of these, I can't remember, was another one in the fire or another man, something about being in the fire. I've never heard it before, and I'm bringing it back to Terrence Brown, our worship director. That is awesome. I love that song. Um, family, music, and coming together, and praying, and reading the Bible. These are all wonderful ways to worship the Lord. But if you're able to grow in your ability to, to live life in the midst of chaotic circumstances with peace, that there is a way to worship the Lord. You better believe that your Heavenly Father is pleased as He looks down on you beaming. The resilience, because He knows and you know that that's not coming from you. That is a gift that he's given you. And you're pouring back the praise. A couple minutes on the how, right? I can tell you what, calm and quiet soul. We can talk about why it's so important. But unless we get to, okay, so what do we do? How do we flesh this out? It's maybe limited in its help. Look at verse 1. Oh, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Family, this is talking about humility. Humility. You want to know 
how to have a calm and quiet soul. You have to have humility. And, and I'm not talking about the humility that's the opposite of going around boasting, bragging, beating your chest, swagger, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it is important to have the humility that's the opposite of that. But I'm talking about a humility that says, hey, I know that most of the things in my life I cannot control. And for those things, I'm going to trust the Lord. And I'm going to let him guide me with his Holy Spirit to focus on the few things that he's calling me to be faithful in. It's that kind of humility. It's that kind of humility. For example, at work, we've all got coworkers that we can't stand. Maybe it's a boss you can't stand. Makes your life really hard. It's injustice, right? You don't deserve the kind of treatment you get. Here's the thing. You have no control over what your coworker or your boss does. None. You're not God. As much as you would like to control them, you can't. Humility says, I'm going to leave the fixing and the changing of my coworker to the Lord. I'm going to pray and I am going to focus on humbly what can I do that is in my control that I am called to do. For example, there are many biblical words, which are not easy, by the way. So don't, don't take these biblical principles that I'm getting ready to throw at you for a situation like that and be like, oh, it's just simple. No, it's, it's not. It's dying to yourself. But God says, do not return evil for evil. Death to self. The Bible says, kind words turn away wrath. Death to self. The Bible says that you are to trust me to avenge you, God says. God says, try to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. God says, you are to ask me for wisdom when you don't have it. Wisdom, for example, as to whether or not you should remain in a toxic environment. See, these are things you can control. And it's the humility that says, I'm going to leave these dozens of dozens of dozens of things that are out of my control. I'm going to leave that on the shelf. And I'm going to humble myself and know what I am in control over. And I'm going to focus on these few things. And I'm going to trust God for the rest. It's humility. The humble soul leads to peace. But there's something else in here, and, and this is not some great news. The weaned soul leads to peace. The weaning process is not pleasant. And again, you think about children getting weaned. Bottle fed, starting to get some solid foods. That is a painful process. Being weaned is, is being pruned. It's, it's, it's painful. Family, I love Psalm 131. It is a very encouraging, life-giving psalm to me. But I also have learned to appreciate that this is the after picture. You know how you take before and after pictures? 
If you've ever done some kind of decorating or any kind of project, you know what I'm talking about, right? Before and after picture. And I love looking at that before and after picture, right? It's, it's powerful. It's compelling. But oftentimes what you forget in the before and after picture is all the blood, sweat, and tears that gets you from before to after, right? That's painful. That's hard. This is the after picture for the soul that has been weaned from an over-reliance of the things of this world. Family, if y'all are experiencing hardship right now, this is an encouraging reminder. It is all a part of God's weaning process. God's process of sanctifying you and removing dependence from worldly things and focusing your trust on Him. Family, that means if you're going through hard times right now, there is hope. There is hope. Dr. John Perkins, a Christian minister, author, and civil rights activist, he knew what it was to find hope and peace in the midst of a crazy, painful, and unjust world. He knew what it was to be weaned by the Father to be made something new for the kingdom. Dr. John Perkins, despite racial oppression, police brutality, tragic murder of his brother, despite all of these things, He writes, in the midst of pain and suffering, we can find comfort and strength in knowing that God is with us, guiding us through the darkness, and leading us towards the light. God was faithful in Dr. Perkins' life, in his pain, bringing him through it and using it to transform him, preparing him to bring transformation to the world. Family, the the peaceful soul accepts the weaning of the Father, as painful as that is. But lastly, lastly, a weaned soul abides with Jesus. A weaned soul abides with Jesus. With, With its mother, my soul is like a weaned child. With its mother, this child has found peace because he abides. I love the story of Mary and Martha. I know it's overused, but I love it. It's so good. You got Mary and Martha. You know the story, many of you, right? Martha is busy, 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 occupying herself. So many things. She's cleaning. She's mad at her sister. Sister is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. I think the reason I love that story is that it's so simple, and yet I forget it every day. That what God is calling me to often is to simply abide with him. To sit at his feet. To have the discipline to carve out some time in my life. So that I can sit before the Father in prayer. Sit before the Father in worship. Sit before the Father letting the Father speak to me. Family, one last encouragement. This psalm was written by King David. This psalm saying, so David is saying, King David is saying, my soul is at peace. Now, if you know anything about King David, you kind of say, okay, sort of. Sort of, Dave. Um, You got some moments where you're called a man after God's own heart. 
All right. Praise God. You know, you got some moments where you're leading Israel in the true worship of the Lord. All right. Praise God for that. But then you got these other stories, too. <laughs> where it doesn't feel like you're really at peace trusting the Lord doing what he's asking you to do. <laughs> when you're killing the husband of the woman that you forced to have an affair with. I don't know, rape and murder don't really seem like they're good pictures of a peaceful, calm, quiet soul. But here's why that's so encouraging. Ultimately, this psalm is not about David. This psalm is about Jesus. You see, David points us to the better David, Jesus Christ, who did it perfectly. David can say, sometimes my soul was like a weak child. Jesus says, always, always. And so, family, let's get real. For all the moments in your life where your soul is the restless child, God is saying to you, do not be ashamed. Do not feel that shame pushing you away from me. Instead, look at me. I am inviting you in. Because your relationship with me, your love, your forgiveness, your acceptance is not based upon how calm and quiet and submissive your soul is. Your relationship with me is based upon the perfect peace and calm of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Family, he did it perfect for you. And he welcomes you in. What we have to do, look to Jesus place our trust, not in ourselves, but in him. Recognizing that he did everything from his obedience to his death so that our sins will be forgiven and we will be welcomed in. That leads us to a calm and quiet soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and mercy and Thank you for the peace, the real, genuine peace that's offered to us. And we know that until Jesus returns, until we are in heaven, we won't experience full, total, unlasting peace. And yet you're calling us to experience more of it right now. You're calling us to grow genuinely in our ability to look at the crazy world around us and to experience a calm because we trust in you, because we've humbled ourselves, because we abide in you, and because we've allowed you to wean us from the things of this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.